the life of a Franciscan, part one, chapter three, page 17, Penitence. Francis Kisses a Leper. One day, while he was praying enthusiastically to the Lord, he received this response. Francis, everything you loved carnally and desired to have, you must despise and hate if you wish to know my will. Because once you begin doing this, what before seemed delightful and sweet will be unbearable and bitter. And what before made you shudder will offer you great sweetness and enormous delight. He was overjoyed at this and was comforted by the Lord. One day he was riding his horse near Assisi where he met a leper. And even though he usually shuddered at lepers, he made himself dismount and gave him a coin, kissing his hand as he did so. After he accepted a kiss of peace from him, Francis remounted and continued on his way. He then began to consider himself less and less until, by God's grace, he came to complete victory over himself. After a few days, he moved to a hospice of lepers, taking with him a large sum of money. Calling them all together as he kissed the hand of each, he gave them alms. When he left there, what before had been bitter, that is, to see and touch lepers, was turned into sweetness. For, as he said, the sight of lepers was so bitter to him that he refused not only to look at them, but even to approach their dwellings. If he happened to come near their houses or to see them, even though he was moved by piety to give them alms through an intermediary, he always turned away his face and held his nose. With the help of God's grace, he became such a servant and friend of the lepers that, as he testified in his testament, he stayed among them and served them with humility. The Legend of Three Companions, page 74. Towards Reconciliation, Love, and Joy Many entering formation in the Third Order are surprised to find that our rule, which begins with the Eucharist, next lists penitence, including the expectation for daily self-examine and at least annual sacrament of reconciliation. It is only after this that the section on personal prayer is listed. The importance attached to penitence may be cause for concern as to what kind of discipline the third order expects or what it means to a person's spiritual growth. One reason for such concern is the negative connotation of penitence, sin, guilt, sorrow, penance, confession, and mercy. In truth, all of these are components of penitence, but none its true focus. The focus we should seek is reconciliation, love, and joy. These are the real goals of penitence. Then it no longer becomes something oppressive and painful, but rather something to look forward to and value. Some of the association of pain and unpleasantness 
comes from society and a system of law that teaches us that wrongdoing deserves judgment and punishment, just as doing good deserves reward. Often we picture God as the judge who punishes either here or in some hereafter. This seems only fair, natural, and therefore right to us given the values we have generally learned. On the other hand, some of us tend to explain away wrongdoing as excusable or unavoidable based on factors over which we have no control. Real personal responsibility is often dismissed. We are therefore inclined to enter into the realm of penitence, either being assured we aren't really a bad sort and God should be understanding of our foibles, or we may use it as a guilt trip. I am bad, unworthy, and deserving of punishment, yet hopeful for mercy. Neither of these attitudes is fitting. Missing the mark. Let's try a different perspective. Some people think of sin as missing the mark or not putting the arrow in the target. Sin may be a failure to make a perfect shot, but in itself is not necessarily more or less than that. Sin does not make us unworthy per se. Penitence is about noticing when we miss the target and correcting and improving our aim. And when we do hit the mark, we recognize and celebrate that as well. A story about a young man learning archery tells that despite hours of careful instruction and weeks of practice, he consistently shot the arrow three feet too high. Nothing seemed to help. One day, to the amazement of all, he hit the target dead center. When asked how, the young man sheepishly explained, I aimed three feet lower than the target. The young man was willing to change, to do something different, even quite absurd, in order to hit the mark. This change is called penitence. Changing ourselves and our actions. Penitence is turning around, changing what or how we act. This is what we do when we repent. We seek to change ourselves and our actions. We can accept our misses, accept them for what they are and what they hit instead of the target and deal with the situation, accepting who we have hurt and how. Then we can look at what needs to be done about it, along with accepting the hurt we have done to ourselves. Through this contrition, sorrow for the hurts we have done, we begin to work out the repentance, the changing. This involves self and God awareness instead of self-deceit. Having recognized our sin and desiring to change, we come to confession. We admit our sins and what they have cost. No longer is it enough just to be sorry for our wrongdoings, nor can we evade responsibility since excuses eliminate need for forgiveness. 
Confession leads us to reconciliation with those we have hurt, including ourselves, and with a loving God. Again and again we are called to accept fully into ourselves the immense, passionate, continuing love God has for all of creation by learning to surrender our desires, wants, needs, our all, into this encompassing love and to know and accept that this same love is fully there for everyone, not just ourselves. It needs to be recognized and lived in our relationship with God, with all others, with all creation. We may enter into such acceptance only momentarily or on occasion, but while we are fully in it, we do not miss the mark. When we delude ourselves that we know how to shoot by ourselves, we miss the mark. Missing involves self-determination for independence, power, and control, like the insisting two-year-old, me do it myself, whether we can or not. Reconnecting with God and all creation. Reconciliation is reconnection through love with God, others, and all creation. It is realizing our utter dependence upon God, our ultimate powerlessness, and our need to render complete obedience unto God. Far easier are choices for worldly power and control than our choices for something as nebulous as love without possessiveness. Sin appears easier and more pleasant. Through love, God forgives our misses, sins. Absolution cannot be earned, even by a good confession or much contrition, but is simply the free gift of forgiveness from God. When we forgive others, we are imitating God in love. God loves infinitely. Therefore, God loves without limit, and we are called to forgive as freely. Joy comes into the picture here. We, no longer miserable offenders unworthy of love and forgiveness, should be joyful sinners, people who recognize and accept their sinful state, but joy-filled because we know God's love and forgiveness infinitely. Penitence focuses on accepting ourselves and all others as who we truly are right now, God's beloved. If we do this, how can we not find joy? The Daily Examine What does it mean then to practice a daily examination if we are not to be preoccupied with our sin, guilt, making confession? How can we be penitent, that is, willing to change, if we don't know what needs changing? An elaborate soul-searching of each and every thought and act during the day is not necessary and could lead to undue focus on shame and guilt, which in turn could lead to difficulty accepting forgiveness. Daily self-examination is useful only as it provides a checkpoint for sensing when and why we have missed the mark, with why being the real concern. It is not useful as a daily laundry list of 
failures that enforces a sense of rottenness and inability to be lovable. Neither is it an occasion for excusing our deeds or placing the blame elsewhere. A self-exam can be done in innumerable ways using various forms such as those in the devotional companion, but it is best to keep the process simple. Perhaps we might consider the following questions. When was I most conscious of God's love today? When was I least conscious of God's love? When did I act out of love today? When did I not act out of love? What opportunities for thanksgiving did I miss today? Each question may bring to mind failures and successes. Conclude by giving grateful thanks for a growing awareness of the failures and for the grace that made the successes possible. By this interweaving of admission and thanksgiving, we can appreciate the love that upholds and guides our aim as well as be conscious of our withdrawal from love, appropriating to ourselves what is not ours. Thanksgiving combined with contrition balances awareness of failure with awareness of God's loving grace and offers hope that we can indeed turn around. Daily self-examination helps us to see patterns easily forgotten, avoided, or missed. In a sense, it is like a daily shower. It refreshes us. It does not necessarily prevent our going back into the grime again, but it does help us know where the grime is to be found. Jotting notes or a more intensive examine may periodically be done in order to review and consider the why behind the repetitive misses and what changes we might attempt. This is helpful preparation for the Sacrament of Reconciliation. Sacrament of Reconciliation This practice is a way to deepen our relationship with our loving and forgiving God. It should be clearly understood that the confessions in the Eucharist or daily office, which are designed for group use, serve a different purpose than the Sacrament of Reconciliation, which is designed for individual use. Nor is confession to the Church and or through a priest something new. Rather, it is an ancient practice stemming from the New Testament and the early Church. The objective of the Sacrament of Reconciliation is simply a way of accepting and acknowledging ourselves as sinners and yet beloved. It requires us to articulate clearly what we have already sensed about ourselves as well as reminding us of a loving God's wiping out our misses by forgiveness. Finding a, a confessor can be problematic, especially in some areas of this third order province. If your spiritual director doesn't hear confessions and a local priest isn't available or appropriate, ask the third order area chaplains listed in the front of the directory for help or members of the local fellowship. The Episcopal Church BCP allows for a deacon or layperson to serve as confessor. Instead of pronouncing absolution, a deacon or layperson 
offers assurance of God's forgiveness and love. No matter who the confessor, they are fully bound to confessional confidentiality. As to the particulars of how to make the Sacrament of Reconciliation for the first time, arrangements should be made with the potential confessor with regard to time and place, method, i.e. kneeling, sitting, facing the confessor screen, and other questions that may come up. It is quite common for the penitent to bring written notes or a written confession to be read as a certain amount of nervousness is to be expected even after repeated confessions. This nervousness tends to make relying on memory difficult. The confessor may recommend ways to prepare one's confession, but if not, a number of formats are available. Especially recommended is Martin Smith's book, Reconciliation, Preparing for Confession in the Episcopal Church, as well as the awareness exam found in our devotional companion. At the end of confession, the penitent invites the confessor to give advice, counsel, and penance. The concept of penance, usually a prayer to say or scripture to read, is to put a closure to the event, not as punishment or payment for the sins confessed, although this idea did exist historically, and is optional. A brief counsel and or a few suggestions of advice help the penitent to make changes needed to more closely hit the mark. Ways for the penitent to reconcile with those hurt or in need of forgiveness may also be recommended. In the third order, the statement from chapter is that normally tertiaries will avail themselves of the sacrament of reconciliation at least once a year. Advent or Lent are common times for the sacrament of reconciliation. Other appropriate times include Francis Tide or at the time of making renewing third order vows. The sacrament of reconciliation may be made more frequently, but normally not less than annually, depending upon one's need to articulate one's sins and be reassured of God's forgiveness. Reflective questions. Number one, if this is your first sacrament of reconciliation, what challenges are you facing in preparing for it? Number two, if you have made a sacrament of reconciliation before, what spiritual gifts have you received through the experience? Number three, what is one of your life experiences that might be compared to Francis's aversion to lepers? How might God be inviting you to a conversion of attitudes and behavior? Number four, read and reflect on Jesus' words in Luke 23, 34. Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. How do these words speak to your experience, need for forgiveness, and understanding of God's role in reconciliation? Number five, this chapter uses a metaphor 
to describe sin as missing the mark, much as an arrow falls short of hitting the target. What is another metaphor that makes sense to you to describe sin? Thank you.